They're sitting on a couch. It's usually just two characters or sometimes three characters. They're always talking and sitting. They're just sitting in a chair. The pacing sucks. There's no style to anything. It's so boring. From the concrete shores of Arlington, Texas, this is the Approximate Podcast with your hosts, Jamie French and Orion Quest. Hey everyone, welcome to the Approximate Podcast. My name is Jamie French and I'm with my partner, Orion Quest. Say hi, Orion. Welcome, citizens of the entire web. How you doing? This is Orion Quest. How you guys doing tonight? And they answer. Listen up for it. Wait. Wait. I thought that was a cricket. I think I heard someone. Oh, no, because we're in the past and they're in the future. That doesn't work. Oh. Man. So I'm going to let you talk. Go ahead. Do I have to hold up my hand? No. You can if you want. It's a free country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe you had something to say to oh, me today. Oh, I got something to say. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and it's better to burn out than to fade away. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the bitch's birthday, Jamie French. Ah, uh, yeah. She celebrated her birthday on the 3rd. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, it was the 3rd, just a, just a few days ago. Um, so... Yay for me. I made it to 37. 37 years young. I actually bought that applause <laughs> at the Acme Company. You know, they still owe me for what bat suit. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, what were you doing on my birthday? Because I didn't see you on my birthday. Yes, um, that was the third. I was out playing with the hillbillies. What is that? What's the hillbillies? For, the because hillbilly- remember, we're not just talking to ourselves. We're talking to the people. Let the people know I'll what the hillbillies are. Bitch. I'm looking <clears throat> at your face. <laughs> Don't look at my face. It's the hazardous to your health. Well, you, 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 you'd learn a lot more if you would interview me like I did at the first podcast. You still owe me an interview, bitch. I'm not going to interview you. I'll interview you. I me. need to fill time. If I interview you, I waste a lot of content. This has to like leak out over every podcast a little bit. A little bit? Yeah. Okay. And so today, here's so, what leaks from Orion. It's the, uh, he's going to tell you about the Hillbillies. What is that? All righty. They're known as the Hillbilly Orchestra. They hail out of Dallas, Texas. It starts out, the core members of the band are a three-piece that consists of myself, a gentleman which we only refer to as Mongo. That's an ominous name. Yes. I immediately think a big old monkey. Mm. Mongo. Tell that to his face. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that. I, va- I value oh, my I value my safety. You'll get your chance. He'll be on this on the podcast one day. Good, yeah. I'd love um, to have him. He plays bass, sings, and every once he'll do a jug. Um what do you mean, uh, do a jug? As in, who, uh, who, uh, as in, play he'll the play, jug? He'll play, he'll the, play jug. the jug. Will he really? Really? really. Oh man, we we all got super secret skills in the Hillbilly Orchestra. Not only do I play drums, but at the right point in time when the mood's just right, bitch, I will play the fuck out of a triangle. <laughs> what what kind of music do you guys play? Um, I mean, I know, but they don't know. What um, What do you play? It's southern rock and metal. Um, they. What's, I'm trying to think of a good band that that would describe Southern rock, and I'm not and I'm not meaning like 
like Leonard Skinner style rock. I'm talking no. about the new, the new, the new style of Southern rock that's out. Um, it, you know, it, it really is. It really is straight ahead metal with maybe it's the tone of the voice. Yeah, uh, the, there's a country kind of twang in the voice a little bit, yeah. and maybe maybe it presents itself in some of like the solo guitar work where you get maybe some more bends, some more. Uh, blues bo- box driven kind of scales, but beyond that, it's a heavy fucking band. Yeah, they, they let's face it, for 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 a bunch of guys, they do not fuck about. Mm-mm. You know, we 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 throw down at the hoedown, as we like to say. Uh, the guitar player is a gentleman by the name of Randy, aka Blackie Blackwell. He's a he's an old school chicken picker from way back. His dad used to play on the chicken picking circuit, and he he's adapt that to playing to to a metal style guitar. It's crazy. Well, what it's are his crazy. what are his metal influences? Because he seems to really balance that chicken picking stuff off with the, uh, the kind of riffs I've been hearing when uh, I see you guys Def play Con, live. Defcon, um, um, Daryl Abbott. Um, Pretty much a lot of, as, as strange as this may sound, a lot of speed metal and a lot of really hardcore stuff. Right. He used to, I mean, he used to play with his dad as a kid. He used to he used to jam with his dad. They would go out and play at 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 country western gigs with his, with his father's band, and he would get up there and play. And his father would teach him, but he developed his own style and started to get into like into like heavier stuff. And when he started doing that, he, he started to adapt, adapt this new kind of style that not only is there's a lot of speed fretting and a lot of finger work, but you can still, if you really slow it down and listen to it, there's a lot of that old school country picking and grinning style to it. It's, 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 and that's the thing that lends, that's the thing that makes it Southern metal. Yes. Um, I play drums, percussion, and wash tub. Do and, you really? Um, yes. Wash tub. Yes. You guys got a wash tub? Yes, of course we do. Like a metal. Like explain. I haven't seen that. Explain it to me. We now, now I'm new. We don't bring out the wash tub just for any. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special occasion. You can see it. You can see it in practice. It's like where we're we gonna play. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go play the gas monkey. Orion. Yes. Bring out the wash tub, Bubba. Did you just say the word? You heard me. Next thing you know, we're pulling it out there. We're in, a, we're, in a, we're, <laughs> we're in the middle of a song. We just stopped banging on the wash tub. <laughs> this is the hillbilly mentality, ladies and gentlemen. So not only do we play a lot of covers like Trower and oh, now now I'm having a brain fart. Um, well, you guys don't. You guys play like what, like twenty percent covers, yeah, right? Twenty percent. It's mostly original stuff, and um, it's heavy yeah, as fuck. Trower. Hendrix, um, Thin Lizzy. You guys but, play any like ZZ Top? I get that impression uh, yeah. from the way everybody looks. Yes. But I- it's funny you should say that. The 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 the, the creator of the band, uh, Mongo Smith, Mongo. Mongo uh, Smith, Mongo. Yes. Mon- well, I, we, his his official name is Michael Smith. Now stick right. with Mongo. That's better. Yeah, believe me. He saw that and said, I mean, choose Mongo. Mm. <laughs> um. He, the his his band originally started out as a ZZ Top cover band called ah. Trace Ombres. Okay, okay. And he 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 did that for a while, and 
I, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a Trace Armbrace nor Hillbilly historian. Like I said, we'll get Mongo over here for a podcast so he can set the story straight. Yeah. My my theory is that while he was doing that, he's, he's done many things. Not only did he create that band, but he was also a club owner. Saw a lot of rock and roll bands and decided, hey, I can put a rock and roll band together. Got some guys, got some guys to start the Hillbilly Orchestra. Technically, the Hillbilly Orchestra is about 20 years old. It's been around ever since the late 80s, early 90s. Okay. And their their last drummer was a drummer by the name of Dre Flores, who is my drum teacher. Mm. And um, he stopped playing for a little bit and asked me to take up the job, and I did. And I've been jamming with him ever since. So it's it's really incestuous the way that you, you came in with the Hillbiller. It's, it sounds fitting country, metal. Yeah, that's – should I shut my mouth? Let me think about it. Yes. I'm not going to. So <laughs> so we gave the Hillbilly Orchestra uh, a lot of props. Uh, so where can where can our listeners find them so they can actually hear all of what we're talking about? The Hillbillies are in the studio right now. They're going to be coming out with a CD within the next, I want to say, 60 to 90 days. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you can find them at, on Facebook under Hillbilly Orchestra. Believe me, you can't miss them. Okay, so like, do they got a Twitter? They got Facebook? Where they got a website? What's up? Yeah, just just through Facebook, Hillbilly Orchestra. They don't they don't have they're not they're not socially. <laughs> they just type in Hillbilly Orchestra yeah. and they'll find them. Okay, yeah. Everybody go to Facebook and type in Hillbilly Orchestra and listen to the amazing sounds of countrified metal. Yeah, <clears throat> kettle. Uh, so what? <laughs> what? Countrified metal. Kettle. kettle. <laughs> I like that. That that's fitting. That's very that's very fitting. Um, <laughs> uh, so what else is going on? How was your day? Oh, well. Enough out of you. Um, <laughs> this guy, he talks so much. Uh, so, yeah, it was my birthday a few days ago, and I had a ball. I took myself out to uh, a dance club called The, uh, the Church. It's the Lizard Lounge in uh, Dallas, Texas. Been going there for like 17 years. It's been waning over the years, of course, because you can't be 22 forever. But, um, yeah, I went there on my birthday to kind of uh, relive old times. You know, it was an old-time sake kind of thing. And I had a ball. I had a blast. Uh, when I first got there, I, I dressed the part, uh, dressed to the nines, went up there feeling uh, anxious and kind of lonely. I, I went by myself. You know, 37 is an age you need to celebrate. But uh, I had nothing better to do, so I took myself out, and I get there, and I'm thinking it's going to be kind of a drag. Um, but man, the the power of alcohol. Uh, you take a shot, you take a you take a chaser in the form of some sort of beer, and uh, things start to loosen up, and I had a really good time. I was as gregarious as I've ever been uh, in my like mid twenties. Uh, talked to a lot of cool folks, um, danced like a motherfucker. It was a really good night. Uh, Got my butt whooped. I told somebody it was my birthday, and they knew a person with the paddle. And before you know it, I'm bent over, and they are whooping me with a, a big leather paddle. I'm having a hard time sitting down now. For those that are seeing me on YouTube right now, it hurts being here. But I'm doing it anyway. That's dedication. Um, 
so yeah, it was a really good night, but I didn't, I couldn't get any friends to show up because all my friends are about 37 and, and they got shit to do. So, uh, so that was that. Um, I, let me warn you guys, <laughs> uh, this podcast, we don't really have a subject in mind. We're just kind of talking. We're going to keep it to a nice tight 30 minutes. Uh, we're in the studio because we have to be, because you have to keep doing, even if you don't have a big subject in, in mind. Um, we have very busy lives, and only about 10% of our lives are taken up by the podcast. Uh, as we get better at doing this, uh, things will get a lot more stable. But right now, this is just one of those shows that you're going to listen to, and it's going to feel like you're hanging out with friends. Um, you and I, Orion, uh, about a, mm, a little less than a week ago, we went to... What would what did we go to? We went to history. Yeah. Uh, for 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 the layperson, it was just um, another day and another showing at the theater. For for fans of the show Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yes. Um, if my memory serves me correct, it was their twentieth year. Mm-hmm. They were celebrating their twenty year anniversary. Yes. And. Um, Kid, could you give them a little backstory? I want to tell them about Rift Tracks because the Rift Tracks was the reunion of all the cast for Miss for Mystery Science Theater three thousand. But for those who are not in the know, could you explain what Rift Tracks are? Okay, so this is great. We're, this whole show feels like it's it's promos for things we like or things we're involved in. <laughs> um, but. Rift Tracks is basically this. Uh, go to www.rifttracks.com, and what you're going to find is a bunch of MP3s that you can lay over your favorite movies, and it's basically goofing on movies. All sorts of movies. Good movies, bad movies. Uh, you can go there and and find uh, Rift Tracks that will sync up with, uh, with your DVDs. Um, and it's amazing fun, and it's, been, it's done by... Uh, some some really great professionals in the comedy industry that know exactly what they're doing and uh they've been around for oh about 10 years now uh but they got their start riff tracks the folks that do riff tracks right now got their start in a show that we're about to talk about called mystery science theater 3000 anybody in the oh 35 to 50 year old demographic knows exactly what we're talking about uh anybody that's younger than that may not know props for those that do uh but if you don't know what mystery science theater 3000 is it was a show that came out in in the very very early uh, uh 90s um and ran for about 10 years from i'd say 1990 to uh 2000 or 99 uh, officially came out as a uh, um, public access show in Minnesota in 1989. So if you count those early days to 1999, they had a good 10-year run. Anyway, it was a show that's basically like Rift Tracks. Rift Tracks is, is just a continuation of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, there was a loose premise. It was a sci-fi premise. You had... Um, you had a, a group of mad scientists that took a, uh, a kind of naive uh, worker 
at their uh, laboratory and used him as an experiment. They sent him up into space and they tested out his uh, – uh, how, how – what it would take to make a person insane by showing them all the bad movies in the world. And that's what they do. They, they stuck a host up on a rocket ship, sent him to the satellite called the Satellite of Love that had a theater built in. And <clears throat> when the bell rung, he was forced to go into the theater and watch the worst movies ever made. And uh, in order to keep his sanity, he would have to make his way through these movies by goofing on them. And so what the viewers saw was a really shitty movie being played. Um, you know, all your low-grade 1950s sci-fis and uh, things like that. Just real low-budget shitty movies. Um, and he would proceed to goof on them. And the jokes were fantastic. And he had a... He had a couple people to help him out, or uh, robots, bots, I should say, to help him out. Uh, things, uh, these these robots were things that he made out of spare parts in the satellite, um, and they were sentient beings essentially, and they they would uh, be on either side of him in the movie theater and help him goof on the movies, and uh, and it was fucking fantastic. It was fantastic. It started out with a man named um, Joel Hodgson who was the creator of the show and was the first test subject by the mad scientist. So he was the main host and was on on his uh, left side, he had a robot that he built named Tom Servo. And on his right side, he had Crow T Robot, another robot that he built. And uh, they did a fantastic job of goofing on movies. And for, for it was such a nerdy show and it was... It was <laughs> it, it was the opposite of everything TV had to offer at the time or even still does to this day. Um, it was the kind of show that rewarded uh, a long attention span, intelligence, um, uh, and a real deep sense of humor. Uh, it was the kind of thing where if you watched it and you liked it, you felt that you were in on something special. And... Uh, and I grew up with that show. I, I was, you know, I, I'd never been able to sleep well, so I'm always up at 3 in the morning, even from my adolescence. And that's when the show came on. It was a late night, you kind of, it was a filler show for Comedy Central for a long time. It was a way for them to fill up two hours just so they can meet their uh, uh, daily scheduling. Um, so they, they bought the show up real quick. Uh, uh, when Comedy Central started, it was called the Comedy Channel, um, and that was in 1990. And they were just trying to grab up content, and they they heard about this weird little uh, public access show in Minnesota, and uh, some offers were made, and some negotiations happened, and they got them on the air. And it was from comedy the Comedy Channel's point of view, it was just a way to fill up two hours. It was like a cheap two hour block. But for the actual show, Mystery Science Theater, that was an opportunity to really let them spread their wings and figure out how to make this weird, odd experience a worthwhile presentation. And the early adopters like me and my and Orion here and everybody else that's around our age, uh, you could – cream rises to the top. You can see something special as it happens, and if you were part of that mindset that they had – 
if you were the kind of viewer that they had in mind, you immediately you immediately glommed onto it, and it became like a special like in joke in your life. It became a thing where if you saw somebody else who recognized Mystery Science Theater three thousand, you knew they were of a for lack of a better term, a special breed. Because only the right kind of people understood and and appreciated the show. And it was a wonderful experience. And it continues to be a wonderful experience to this day through Rift Tracks. After the show's 10-year run, um, uh, ratings fell. The show switched from station to station. People uh, weren't really caring about the show as much as they used to. We all grew up. We had lives to live, and we weren't paying as much attention to the show as we had when we were ravenous fans back in the early 90s and mid-90s. So the show fell away. It just wasn't profitable for, for television, even not even primetime, but fucking just even cable wasn't profitable. So the show went away, and the head writers of the show and the, and the main performers of the show said, you know, it sucks that we lost this, but this is what we're really good at. Let's find another way to do this for the hardcore fans that still want this kind of entertainment. And uh, they grouped together and they, they formed a company called Rift Tracks, uh, which basically does everything that Mystery Science Theater did, does to, uh, did in the past. But they do it in a way that um, for like showbiz technical terms lets them get away with doing it. One of the big problems with Mystery Science Theater is that they had licensing issues with all the bad movies they'd show. They could rent out uh, – the day the earth stood still for a few months and pay the licensing fees on that. And then once those licensing fees ran out, you couldn't show the episode that was made out of that movie pretty much ever again unless you re up the licensing fees because you'd get sued for using their content. So it became a really big hassle for Mystery Science Theater. Uh, but in Rift Tracks, th- that problem doesn't exist at all because all they do is record audio tracks that have nothing to do with incorporating the movie that's me- that it's meant to be paired up with. So they just sell you the audio track. They don't have to pay for licensing. And as long as you have the movie, uh, you can sync up the track and enjoy everything you've always loved about Mystery Science Theater. Um, and there's something that sounds like an extra step of work, but I see it from the point of view where if you're a fan – like a true fan of that show, that extra little bit of you got to do something to make the comedy happen makes you participant in in the activity. And it, it allows you to actually kind of engage in the show. You have to, they do something, you do something. And when those things meet, it's comedy gold. And so you're rewarded for your small amount of effort, which is just syncing a track up to a DVD, and they have programs for you on Rift Tracks to do that, where you don't even think about it. But that little bit of action on your part makes it even more your show than Mystery Science Theater um, could have afforded when it was coming out. The, the technology wasn't there for that kind of interaction. The best they could do, there's a saying at the end of each uh, episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000, says, uh, keep circulating the tapes. This was a day of uh, VHS. And the most interaction you could have was as fans to record the episodes on a VHS 
and then actually spread them around to all the people that didn't have access to that episode uh, because it, you know, it, it, it played on a regular schedule and there wasn't a lot of reruns. If you missed, if you missed an episode, you would have to go to the fan club and say, hey, does anybody have um, – oh, the fucking uh, – what's a – does anybody have Manos, Hands of Fate? And a bunch of people raise their hands and go, yeah, I got that tape here. Was, let me send it to you. And they do that. And and that's the kind of interaction. It was all real fan base, but you weren't really interacting with the show in and of itself. With Riff Tracks, in a weird way, you kind of get to do that, and it makes the experience a, a little more pleasurable. Um, so anyway, that is the long, drawn-out story of what I know on the surface level about Riff Tracks, Mystery Science Theater, and this reunion show that Orion and I went to, the 20-year reunion. Um, of course, the show only had a 10-year run, but it started 20 years ago. And the special thing about that show was that it was not just the guys from Riff Tracks. It was everybody involved in the show because it was a small crew of folks. It wasn't like a big primetime thing. It was a group of puppeteers, comedians, and comedy writers maybe about 15 at most, and stayed that way for the duration of the show. Um, it wasn't like a 100-man team. It was a small group of folks. And this 20-year anniversary let, introduced and got together everyone that was involved with all the shows, Mystery Science Theater and Rift Tracks, and another show called Cinematic Titanic, which is another thing. It's just like Rift Tracks, but made by the other half of, of the show. There was, like said, about 15 people, right? So half, like seven of those people went and made Rift Tracks, and another seven of those shows, when they were ready for it, they went and made a similar thing called Cinematic Titanic. Well, now, in this 20-year anniversary, we got both groups, the whole kit and caboodle, of, of everyone that was involved with this thing that folks like Orion and I loved so dearly and came to the stage in a way that was never seen before, and it was an amazing experience. So yeah, Mystery Science Theater has been a huge part of my life as far as informing my sense of humor and where I stood on a kind of intelligence scale. It, Mystery Science Theater was a very good barometer for that. Um, like I said before, if you were the kind of person that watched Mystery Science Theater... You felt a kinship to people that, in air quotes, uh, uh, got it. Um, and, and that's traveled with me throughout the years, right up to the point where I put a band together with my fucking, with Orion, and, um, and we're trying to come up with a name for that band. And we have no idea. We know it's going to be a duo. We know that it's not going to conform to any kind of genre which makes it really hard to kind of put a catch-all name onto a band like that. And so we just kind of said, you know what, let's not struggle with the name. Let's put that aside, and as it occurs to us, it will just naturally happen. If we force it, it will sound forced. Um, so a few months go by, we put some songs together, we still don't have a name, and then he comes over to my house. Ryan comes over to my house, and we have a band meeting. And the subject of the name comes up. And we toss out. I, I made a list. I, I took a little time to think of it. I made a list of some things. Nothing I threw out there seemed right. 
Um, but I said, well, you know, what do, what do we have in common? What about what about the what about things we like? And we went back and forth, and we started kind of moving away from talking about the name for a, a hot minute, and start talking about mystery science theater, this thing, this special thing that we had in common. And there's one particular episode, which isn't actually an episode of Mystery Science Theater. It's, they made a movie. They made a movie and it ran just like the show, same premise, same everything, but it made its way into theaters. It was an episode that made its way into theaters. And the name of the movie that they watched in this theatrical release was This Island Earth. This Island Earth in the Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, movie was one that we would watch and goof on all the time. Um, a lot of jokes from that episode wound its way into our vernacular, and so it was a, it was a touchstone for us. And I'm not exactly sure how it was said, but because it we're... It me. It, of course it was you. You said it. Uh, Matt, don't jump the gun. I'm going to give you your props. Don't you... Motherfucker still doesn't trust me. 20,000 years. The statement that you made was, I don't know how it happened. I don't know. I was know. going to explain I don't, to you how it happened. I don't know how we wove into it, but... And you didn't let me finish. Was that Orion said, this island Earth, and my eyes snapped open. And I went, wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's that's a name. That's it. It doesn't mean everything. It doesn't mean anything. It means everything. It means anything. It's perfect. And it comes from from our personal relationship from this thing that is so dear to us. It is like it's the perfect example of what we of what we needed. And so we came we adopted the name this island earth not from the movie in and of itself but from how it was fed to us through mystery science theater 3000 um and that's how the name of the band came to be and it was all orion just i'm gonna say orion it was you just in case you feel like you're not getting enough props just in case you feel like it's i'm not a prop <laughs> thing it wasn't a prop Thing. If you just let if you out. just let me finish, I would have got to the part where you get credit. <laughs> there was no need for that. <laughs> and talking about if you let me finish, bitch, you interrupted me. I was just about to get there, right there. And you're like, nope, can't let you have that. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can let you have the things you earn, but this is my show, and it's gonna be done my way. <laughs> Lord, Lord, Lord. Oh, man, I'm an asshole. Uh, Orion's here to keep me in check. So uh, every time I'm an asshole, I need to go ahead, say something really mean to me. Well, under normal circumstances, I would put you over my knee and spank your bottom. But now that I have but tits, it's weird. But yeah, <laughs> but you've already had that happen to you on the, on the, on the, at your party. Whether you want to admit it, whether you want to admit it or not, it was your party. Oh no! It was it was a really good night. It was a really good night. Um, you know what? 
I want to talk about Mystery Science Theater 3000 some more, but I don't want to waste it all in this podcast. It will come up naturally throughout uh, future podcasts. We can assure you of that. I, I think uh, I think we filled up a good amount of time for a show that has no underlying theme. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up. Do you have anything to plug, Ryan? Mm, yes. Go ahead, please. For those of you that do not know, I'm, a, I'm not only a musician as a drummer for a band, but I'm also a session guy. I have a website that's hdwt.com. That's um, Have Drums Will Travel. Uh, the name of the business is Blackwind Enterprises, and I do all sorts of session work. I do live in studio. I give lessons, and I cover the DFW area. So as I always say, if your band, if you're, in, if you are a band, and your drummer breaks a leg or or breaks an arm or breaks the law, doesn't matter what it is, you need a guy to come fill in for you. Come to my website, reach me on Facebook, um, Orion Quest on Facebook, um, O dot Quest on on Twitter. You can find me that way. It, 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 Anyway, if you need us and you can find them, maybe you can afford the A team. You know what? The, you know what the fuck I'm saying. You're really old. <laughs> oh, you figured that out. I pity the fool who uses A team music on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I I don't have much to uh, promote. Um. I do, but nothing you guys need to hear about right now. Uh, what I will say is uh, we have a new text line that you guys can access and leave us text messages. Uh, and it's called – we call it the burner line because it's ran off of a track phone that I own that I never deleted or got rid of the number for. Uh, you can reach us at 817-673-3704 and leave any kind of text message you want. If you're listening to this on SoundCloud, of course, you can leave messages in real time on the uh, – SoundCloud player, uh, but if you need some time to think about it, and uh, you disagree with something we said, or you have something to add in, uh, go ahead, send us a text at 817-673-3704 on our burner line, and we will address you on the very next episode and respond to what you have to say. Just um, a quick disclaimer, what? although it's a burner line, it's not the dark web. We don't do hits. We don't break legs. Send a text. Be funny. Don't be stupid. Uh, for those kind of things, you can uh, hit me up at. Uh, hey, hey, yeah. hey! What, what? Hey! Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, we don't. We don't offer those kind of services. Uh, just uh, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Um, and uh, uh, fuck you. We'll get to you later. Um, you can also hit up me at uh, Twitter. Uh, that's a that's a really great place to interact with the show. Um, go through my personal account because that's the kind of default account that services this podcast. Uh, go to twitter.com uh, backslash uh, Jamie underscore French. And uh, if you have anything to say about the show, hit us up that way too. And uh, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. And uh, all right, fuck off. Bye. I want to. I want to.